Well, welcome to uh, a look at the book, our Wednesday night devotional time. And we've been looking at a series, What Comes to Your Mind When You Think About God? Taken from, well, A.W. Tozer's famous words, What Comes to Your Mind When You Think About God is the most important thing about you. And so we've been looking at the attributes of God and relating them practically to the Christian life. Grab a Bible, and for the next little while, let's study. We've been looking at the immutability, the unchangingness, if I can put it that way, of God's character, probably most uh, famously sung about in the church in uh, Great is Thy Faithfulness, as thou hast been, thou forever will be. And so last week we studied the first, the first of four or five blessings that we receive simply from God being who he is in his immutability, his unchanging nature. And the first thing we looked at last week was uh, God's uh, unchanging, unending grace toward repentant sinners. It never varies and it never fluctuates. And if you recall, I said there's a reason that's of particular importance. Our corporate worship times in all churches tend to train us to measure our spirituality by our love for God. I mean, that's what worship is and should be, our love expressed toward God. And so we sing about how much we love God, how much we want to follow God, how much we want to honor God how we adore God, how we want to glorify God, how we worship him. And that's all fine. There's nothing wrong with any of it, except there can come a tendency in all of our lives as we follow the Lord to to measure our walk with God exclusively by how we feel about him and to forget that one of the basic foundational elements in my assurance before the Lord and my walk with him is how he feels about me. You see, the very best of us, with the very best of intentions, our moods, our times of strength and weakness, they they fluctuate. We have times when we feel more passionate in our worship than other times. And so it's very easy to get discouraged when we just can't summon the kind of feelings about God that we wish we could summon at any given moment. And there's nothing more important at those times than remembering while my, uh, my emotional feelings toward the Lord do fluctuate, his love and his commitment toward me never does. He does not experience the same weaknesses. So he is constantly faithful. His love for me doesn't weaken when my love for him feels lukewarm. He is just as committed to me. I don't earn that commitment by how strongly I feel toward him. It's in his character, his unchanging character. So that was the first thing we looked at. I have a few more that I want to look at tonight. So if that was number one, this is two. Because God never changes, we can have confidence in prayer. I can remember when we were kids, you'd try and sort out the best times to ask your parents for things. You try to sort out when they would be in the best frame of mind. Probably not when you brought a report card home that just had a string of Ds 
That's not the best time to ask them for something. And so you'd, you'd try and pick times when you thought they were more favorably inclined to grant your request. One of the difficulties, in fact, of maintaining any relationship in this fallen world, the thing that, that makes relationships take a lot of work is we don't always get exactly the same response from any person that we did at one time. Responses vary. People have moods. People can have fatigue. People can feel stress. People can feel anger. People can feel frustration. And so you won't necessarily get exactly the same response from anyone that you had previously. But what if, what if there was someone to whom you could always go, knowing that their love, commitment toward you would never fluctuate, that there's no variance in the way they felt toward you or thought about you. They could always be trusted to respond in a, with exactly the same kind of consistency and faithfulness. What if there was someone like that? Well, that's what God is like. We can approach him in prayer. We never have to worry that we've drained his emotional energy, that we've worn his patience thin. He's never tired. He's never sleepy. That verse, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the ascended Christ in his risen physical body, that, that, that's what we have at the right hand of the Father now. The man, Christ Jesus, Paul calls him. That's our mediator. And that, he, and that he is always the same toward us. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say he's always sympathetic towards us. God's heart, God's heart always goes out to you when you come to him in prayer. It always reaches out. He never, he, he, he never grows cold or weary or indifferent toward us. So his consistency in his response when we pray. Here's three. Because God never changes, there is security in life for those who hope in him. One of the great New Testament verses is James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights, and then he adds this, because it's the important point, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And so James is, he's not just saying God gives good gifts. What he's saying is God never gives anything but good gifts. Even if we can't always trace his hand and figure out his, figure out his ways, we need to have confidence that he is always doing good for us. He is always trying to work his best will in our lives. No variation or shadow due to change. There will, we will always be objects of his loving grace, guidance, and provision. James says that will never change. Every once in a while, <clears throat> do this. Every once in a while, when you're alone at night, maybe lying in bed, afraid about your future, just imagine this scene in heaven. Imagine God off in a corner just sort of talking to himself. Boy, I know I promised. 
I know I promised this person that I'd be with them. I know I promised that I'd supply all their needs, but boy, oh boy, this is really getting hard. I just don't think I'll be able to keep my promise to Don Horbin or whoever it is. I, oof, this is really big. This is really tiring. I don't know if I can do this. And then just kind of smile, recognize how ridiculous that is, turn over and, and go to sleep. Four. Because God never changes, there is terror in sin and rebellion. There are verses in the book of Exodus that a lot of people wonder about. Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Don't get confused by those words, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children. This, This isn't about God punishing innocent children for their parents' sin. That's not what this is about. The text is merely pointing out the the obvious truth that if, if kids learn careless patterns of disobedience from their parents, don't think God won't punish them just because they wouldn't have been disobedience if, if the parents hadn't shown a bad example. It's never wise or healthy to forget that God has this this constant intolerance towards sin. It is his love for us that causes him to hate the deeds, the sin, the disobedience that destroys us. God's love and God's wrath are not opposites. They are necessary parts. They balance together. It's because God loves his creation so deeply that he hates the sin that destroys that creation so deeply. The wrath and the love go hand in hand in God's nature. There's a place where it says that God is too holy to look on iniquity. I've been thinking about that. Do you you feel that, um, that drawing back, that repulsion of looking on iniquity? Think of the TV programs, the movies, what you stream. Do you find yourself constantly looking on iniquity? God doesn't. God doesn't. Does his nature live in you? See, there are implications to all of this. Never forget God's intolerance toward sin. Five. I love this point because God is unchanging. You can always trust in his word. I was looking at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6, 7, and 8. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? Cry this. All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. 
the grass withers. Notice the repetition here. The flower fades, and then here's the point, the contrast. But but the word of our God stands forever. What 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 are you building your life on? Are you building your life on something that's as fleeting and temporary as flowers? They're just coming up. They look so good now. Come in November, they're gone. It, it, don't build your life on stuff like that. Build your life on God's word. Meditate on it. Study it. Obey it. Love it. Cherish it. What shall I cry? So what's the message? What is it that needs to be shouted from the rooftops? Well, the word of our God will stand forever. Everything else will fail you. Everything else will fail you. God's word will stand forever. Psalm 119.89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. People frequently have to go back on promises. They, they forget. They promise things that they shouldn't. They commit to something but bite off more than they can chew. They don't have the strength to follow up on it. God never has any of those weaknesses. What he says is true when he said it, when it was inspired and written in his word, God's word. It's true today. It will be true a million years from now. It will not vary. It will not fade. It will endure. Every promise kept. Build your life. Build your life. That's why David says it's settled. It's settled forever in heaven. We benefit enormously just from God being who he is and that he's unchanging. O thou who changest not, abide with me. Let's pray. We are so grateful that we have this true inspired record of our unchanging God, an an unchanging word because it's inspired by an unchanging God that you can always be relied upon. And so we, we, we need to have your Holy Spirit guide us to keep us from building our lives on flimsy futures. The spirit of this age wants all of us anchoring our lives to things that simply fade away like the grass, your word says. We don't want to tie up there. Help Cedarview Community Church, even in this time of of pandemic, help Cedarview Community Church just to be a place where our hearts are tethered, anchored to the unchanging truth of your word. We love it. We hide it in our hearts. Help us to glorify Jesus by having your word just increase in fruitfulness, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold in our hearts. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Join us Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. We're working still through 1 John and Sunday night, 6.30 for soul food. The heart that trembles at God's word. God bless you, church. Love one another.